highest of heights to the depths of the sea. It's to worship the Lord, to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's why we think of a sacrifice of praise. You know, oftentimes, you know, uh, leading worship here for 23 years uh, before um, Pastor Jeff left, there were times that I would stand up there and lead worship, and, and my heart was not in the right place. My heart was somewhere else, and no, none of you knew it, and God's grace covered that. But it was a sacrifice of praise for me as well. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. In our study today, Pastor Rob explains how we must take our worship seriously. Jesus saw it necessary to cleanse the temple because those doing business in the outer courts of the temple spoiled the only place where Gentiles could come and worship. Worship space was made into an area of selling merchandise. Jesus said, Take these things away. Do not make my Father's house a house of merchandise. It is very important that worship is viewed as a sacrifice to our Lord, especially in His house, and it is to glorify Him and not us. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. So the worshipers come. They buy a lamb. They get robbed of their exchange rate. Their worship had become convenient. It had become something that the, Lord did, that the Lord found distasteful because people were making money off of it. And due to the covetousness, the religious leaders and those whom they allowed to sell the animals in the temple, precincts, were getting very wealthy. And this, I, I believe, is what Jesus had the problem with. They were fleecing the people. Have you ever been fleeced? <laughs> Has the salesman ever told you and promised great things and you know, and is going to sell you something for a great price and you get very little. This is kind of the attitude of the people. Attitude of the religious leaders and those who were selling. Many of the people had right hearts and they were coming to worship. But the religious leaders and those who they were allowing were doing all kinds of strange and aberrant things and the Lord was getting very fed up with it. Very fed up with it. But remember... At the very center of worship is sacrifice, isn't it? If there is no sacrifice, there is no worship. You can't call it worship unless there's a sacrifice. And there's a lot of things that pass today as worship in the church, but as nothing more than entertainment. Jesus had to cleanse the temple. It had become something that it wasn't supposed to be. And unfortunately, the church as a whole, maybe not many of you, maybe none of you, but in America and in the world, for that matter, the church, we've gotten comfortable with being entertained rather than growing in this worship, really knowing what worship is. A sacrifice. 
to and for God, who is worthy to receive all praise and glory and honor. And these are the things of worship. If you remember in Genesis chapter 21, Abraham, God had given him one son, Isaac, a promised son. And in his old age, he and Sarah, it was, it was a miracle that, that Sarah would be able to bear a child at her age. But the Lord gave them Isaac. And the Lord told him, saying, Abraham, take your son, your only son, and go up onto the mountain that I'm going to show you, and there offer your son as a sacrifice to me. Now, Abraham knew very well it was a pagan idea, but he knew God's voice, and he assumed and he believed that if God allowed him to go through it, that God was also able to raise him from the dead because God had made promises in Isaac. In Genesis 15 and in chapter 17, he lays out the promises of the seed after Abraham, and that included Isaac. So Abraham knew something was up. He knew that he was going through something here that was way beyond him. And certainly it was. But do you think it was easy for him to offer his son? Moms and dads, if you have only one child or or, or even children, think of how hard that would be. Thank God he doesn't ask us to do that. But do you think this was a sacrifice for for Abraham? You better believe it. I I bet that the three days that they were traveling after the Lord told him, his heart and his Everything in his being was going, Lord, I know this is not right, but you've told me to do it. I know your voice. I've had this, I have this relationship with you, so I'm, I trust you. I believe you. And he finally he goes through with it. But a, a sacrifice, that's what it was. It was a worship service on the Mount Moriah, which is currently where the Temple Mount is today. And what about Mary of Bethany? In John chapter 12, it tells us that she brought an alabaster flask full of spikenard, It was worth a year's wages. And so she pours this ointment over Jesus to anoint him. A very costly thing. One of the disciples, a few of them, even Judas, was getting all upset about it because they could have sold it and given the money to the poor. Sounds like a great idea. However, (laughs) Mary had a different plan. Her worship was extravagant, and the Lord received it. And he even said, it's going to be written for a memorial that this woman has done this. The poor you always have with me, but you don't have me always. What did Jesus say in John 4, verse 23? He says, The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The spirit of God within us is what gives us... He, he, he's the one who is... Um, giving us this worship. The Spirit of God in us, desiring us to worship. And we don't wish worship any way we want. No, we worship in spirit and in truth, guided and led by the Spirit, but also according to the truth of the Word of God. We don't worship God by handling snakes like they do down in the south. We don't worship the Lord by howling like animals and writhing on the floor like serpents. None of those aberrant things. You're, you're, a, you're a, a masterpiece in God's eyes. Why would he have you do that? We have to worship him in spirit and truth. And that is always the order. God initiates and then we respond to what God has said, what God has done. Does that make sense? 
That's what worship is. It's a, it's a response to what he has initiated. It's always that way. He initiates. I'm going, wow, that's amazing. I worship him as a result. And that's the way it is. And I love that about the Lord. What about in Acts chapter 4? When Barnabas, uh, a Levite from the island, or from the island of Cyprus, he sells, all this, he sells a parcel of land and he brings all of it to the, or to the, um, to the apostles and he lays it at their feet. You think that was a, a sacrifice? It was. Maybe it was his family's plot of land, and after his mother and father passed away, perhaps he said, I don't need this land anymore, but the money we can use for the distributing uh, for the saints in Jerusalem. And he did that as an act of worship. It was a sacrifice. He could have taken the money and bought a really nice Cadillac, but he didn't. <laughs> he gave it. And what about David? David, toward the end of David's ministry, you recall that in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, David had taken a census. He was in his, getting close to his uh, 70th birthday, somewhere in that time frame. And soon Solomon would take the throne. And David, in his twilight years, decided to take a census of all of Israel. And he didn't take a census because it was just the right thing to do. No, it was really motivated by pride. How many people are in my, under my control now? You know, I want to know this before I pass the throne to Solomon. I want to I have like some kind of, you know, and pride takes over. Because God didn't mandate him to do this. He did earlier, but it was God mandated. Now it's all about pride and self. But David, he does this, and as a result, the Lord gave him a choice of three things as punishment for his sin, and he chose, he, he chose to let the Lord decide, and the Lord did. But I want to read to you what it says in First Chronicles chapter 21, because this is a really remarkable concept concerning worship. It says in verse 18, Therefore the angel of the Lord commanded Gad, who was David's seer, that David should go and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, because God had begun to bring judgment upon the people of Israel for David's mistake. And as a result of that judgment, God tells David, go build an altar on the threshing floor of Ornan, or Aruna is his name, the Jebusite. And so David went up... To uh, at the word of the Lord, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. Now Ornan turned and saw the angel and his four sons who were with him, and they hid themselves, but Ornan continued threshing the wheat. So David came to Ornan, and Ornan looked and saw David, and he went out from the threshing floor, and he bowed before David with his face to the ground. And then David said to Ornan, Please grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar on it to the Lord. You shall grant it to me at the full price. Notice, David wasn't looking for a handout. He wasn't, because he was the king, he could have just taken it. But you know David's heart wasn't that way. He says, I'm going to pay full price for this thing. Why? That the plague may be withdrawn from the people. But Ornan, listen to the heart of this servant. He said, but Ornan said to David, take it to yourself and let my lord, um, the king, do what is good in his eyes. Look, I also give you the oxen for burnt offerings, the threshing implements for, for wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all. What a wonderful fellow. He's willing to give it all. I say Ornan was a, a worshiper. And he was a Jebusite. He wasn't even a Jew. And he was willing to give it to the king. But I love this. 
Verse 24 is key to this whole thing. He says, Then King David said to Ornan, No, but I will surely buy it for the full price. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor burnt offerings, and that which costs me nothing. So David paid him a very large sum. But I think of that. Ornan was willing to sacrifice and and offer that to David. And David said, you know what? Yeah, I can't do this. In order for it to be sacrificed, it's got to hurt a little bit for me. And I'm not going to just accept a free offering. No, I'm going to pay full price, Ornan, and I'm going to give you the full price. You go to your realtor and find out what that land is for, and I'm going to give you every last cent of it because I will not offer what is free to the Lord on behalf of me. And I love that about David. I love that about him. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, John the Baptist prophesied concerning Jesus cleansing the temple, which we read this morning. John the Baptist says, His winnowing hand, his winnowing fan, excuse me, is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and, and, and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And I think of, of what that that site there at the, on, the, on the temple mount, which back in the time of David was just a threshing floor. And here John is thinking of probably of that same moment. When David bought that land, that threshing floor, and Jesus would return to that very same place, and he would clean house. He had to clean the house because it had become filthy. It had become something that God was not pleased with. And of course, when we think of worship, we think of Jesus Christ on the cross. Is there any greater sacrifice than Jesus on the cross? The innocent suffering for the guilty, the perfect suffering for the imperfect, which we all are. That was the greatest sacrifice as he hung on the cross of any worship service in the entire universe. That will ever occur, Jesus, on that cross. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And it is finished, he said. Amen? Amen. That was the worship. That was the sacrifice. Think of that. Almighty God come in human flesh, taking the price of the punishment that you and I deserve to satisfy, to propitiate for us. That is worship. The greatest sacrifice, the Son of God. But has your worship become something of your own making? And I say that not only to us, but to those who may be watching and those who will be listening later on on the radio. It's amazing how uh, this message can hit so many people. But has our worship become something of our own making? Don't get me wrong, worshiping the Lord is a joy, isn't it? It is a joy, but sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's not easy because a sacrifice is exactly that, a sacrifice. Do you think Jesus, I mean, the Bible says that while he hung on the cross for the joy that was set before him, but he didn't enjoy the agony and the pain and certainly the being separated from his father for that amount of time when it had never happened before. That was not a walk in the park for our Lord. 
And you may feel good after worshiping, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that is not the goal. The goal is to please the Lord, regardless of our feelings, our emotions. It's to worship the Lord, to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's why we think of a sacrifice of praise. You know, oftentimes, you know, uh, leading worship here for 23 years uh, before um, Pastor Jeff left, there were times that I would stand up there and lead worship, and, and my heart was not in the right place. My heart was somewhere else, and no, none of you knew it, and God's grace covered that. But it was a sacrifice of praise for me as well, because I just wasn't connected, but I do it nonetheless. Why? Well, number one, Pastor Jeff would have fired me, but number two, that's my, that was my role. And regardless of what I'm feeling, isn't he worthy to be worshipped? He's worthy, regardless of how I feel, regardless of anything that happens in my life. It was a sacrifice of praise, and perhaps you feel the same way. You come from work, maybe this morning you have a, a loved one that's on their deathbed. Maybe your, your, your marriage is in shambles. Maybe you're struggling with a sin, a sin issue in your own life. And you come here and you're feeling very unworthy. But I want to tell you this morning that God is able to cover you in his grace and in his blood. And he's like, you know what? Don't you worry about how you feel. I'll take care of the feelings. You just worship me. You just worship me. And it does. It becomes a sacrifice of praise. I recall the uh, Jeremy Camp, who you know is a Christian uh, songwriter and singer, um, many, many years ago, his first wife was dying, and she did die, but on her deathbed, he was there at her side, and something profound really happened to him, and the Lord, he was just kind of feeling down in the mouth like we would all feel, and the Lord spoke to his heart, and he said, Jeremy, worship me. I'm losing my wife, Lord. Do you want me to worship you? Yeah. And he did. And it was one of the most profound moments of his life. Because his circumstances were dictating, man, I need to be, you know, crying. I need to be, you know, sullen and down. And, and here he is, worship. He puts his hands up and he begins to worship. Has our worship become convenient? Does it still have that aroma of sacrifice upon it? Is it just the singing of songs when you feel like it? And maybe a financial transaction that fits neatly within your budget. Is that what worship is? Many Christians today, and I'm not pointing any of you out today, but just in, in totality and in, in Christendom, I fear that we've lost our understanding of what worship really is. Many of our brothers and sisters all across our land today think that worship is just singing of songs. They think that if the worship team is really hot, if it's loud, everyone's clapping their hand, that that's worship. It might be, but it might not be. People worship worship. I've been to a lot of rock concerts in my day, especially before I came to Christ. But the church is not to be a rock concert If some people are not emotionally affected, if it didn't make them dance, it didn't bring a tear to their eye, they claim that, real, that that worship didn't happen. And they say to themselves, if the worship style doesn't meet my criteria, 
If it doesn't meet my criteria, if it doesn't excite my teen son or my teen daughter, if they're not getting up on their hands, on their feet, and and, and clapping and dancing, then I'm going somewhere else where it does. I want the music to move me. But let me ask a question. When was worship ever about you and I? It was never about you and I. And yet, people go to churches based on the worship team. I love our, the simplicity of our worship team. I love it. The Lord didn't provide us a big team. <laughs> we, most of the time, it's just Sarah and her guitar, or me and Sarah and the guitar, whatever it is, but it's, it's a small thing. Can we still worship? Is it worth leaving the church over? Some have left this church because they didn't like the way the worship was going. Let me tell you something. You could sing on a one-string banjo, Amazing Grace, for the rest of your life, and your heart could be right in it, and God would accept it. You don't need all that flash in the pan. You don't need the lights and the smoke. Again, you know, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying the, the obvious. It doesn't necessarily mean it's worship. It could be. But are you going to leave a church because you don't like the worship? Because it doesn't move you, it doesn't, it doesn't shake you, it doesn't make you feel like you're in a rock concert. I would challenge you, if our worship is aberrant, if it doesn't honor Jesus, if the words of the songs aren't about Jesus or they don't honor Jesus, if there's more emphasis on self than there is on Jesus Christ, then guess what? We need to correct it. But if it does glorify Jesus and honor him, then why would you leave a fellowship over that? And not only that, what kind of message are you sending to your kids and all those around you? Here's the message that you're sending. The style of worship and what I get out of worship is more important than everything else. That's the message that you're sending. Is that the message you want to send? Do you think God has a problem with worship? Do you think he has a problem with our worship? I don't think he does. I think he's challenging us. It doesn't matter how many people are on the worship team. Is it more important than the word of God being taught? You're going to go to a church where the, the, the worship team is hot and the kids are playing video games, but the pastor gets up and he speaks for 15 minutes on, a, on something that, uh, some kind of topical thing that feels good, uh, uh, you know, whatever, and it's over, and you oh, let's just worship some more. You know? and again, there's nothing wrong with enjoying and singing to the Lord. Don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me. But the Christian church in America, we need to grow in our understanding of what worship is and what it isn't. God would have us grow and be mature spiritually. What does it say in Hebrews? You know, the author of Hebrews kind of uh, put the fire under the worshipers, and he says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, for those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to grow us. He wants us to go forward, to press forward. Paul in Philippians says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but the, thing, the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. 
And see, that's what we need to do. We need to grow in our, our understanding of not only the Word of God, but in worship. We don't entertain people here. This is not an entertainment center. We never will be. We're here to worship Jesus. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.